You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 983 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off on your next order with Built Bar. Today's podcast will break down another loss for the Hawks in Philadelphia. Sort of a house of horrors over the last three days. The Hawks lose back-to-back games in blowout fashion. This was not as bad as it was on Wednesday. It was much more competitive especially in the early going, but once the bench got in there and started struggling, Philadelphia being at full strength, they kind of pulled away, and it was a pretty comfortable win for the Sixers. So we'll dive into that, as we always do on the podcast. Some pregame stuff here. We finally got a Kevin Herter update on Thursday evening, and it seems to be pretty positive, which is a nice sign for the Hawks. The initial wording from Atlanta after he left the game on Monday was that he had a left shoulder sprain with an MRI to come on Tuesday. Following the MRI and a medical review that took a couple of days, actually, the Hawks said that the diagnosis of the left shoulder sprain was confirmed, and he has now, quote, begun work to restore pain-free range of motion and strength in the shoulder, end quote. Some, uh, of course, medical language there. He was ruled out for tonight's game in Philadelphia, but that was in terms, that was it in terms of the timeline for how long he'd be out. Um, Sarah Spencer of the AJC then wrote on Friday that he's essentially considered day-to-day, which seems to be pretty positive news. And certainly not the worst-case scenario. So I have no idea about Saturday at this point in time or even Monday, but Herter, it seems to be not, not a long-term injury, which is kind of all the Hawks were hoping for at this point in time. So that's a general positive. Elsewhere on the injury front in this game, both Trey Young and Tony Snell returned in this game. Obviously, Trey is the more headline um, guy in this spot, but Tony, Tony Snell actually missed the last 10 games in a row, so he's been out for a while. Obviously, a stabilizing force for the Hawks, and he's been shooting the lights all season long, so good to have Tony back. And then Trey missed four games in a row with the ankle injury. He was a game-time decision, actually, in this game, but um, looked looked like, like himself, basically. Looked great offensively, looked healthy, looked spry. So that's uh, definitely probably the biggest positive of this entire night was that Trey looked like himself in this spot. And obviously, you know, Trey was supposed to be out for a while and missed four games, but he beat the timeline of the average, anyway, of a grade, of a grade two ankle sprain. So he's a fast healer. He talks about that after the game, just kind of working hard to come back and uh, good to see him back on the floor in this spot. And then elsewhere on the injury front, Capella played, although he was listed as questionable. He had played in the last three games in a row, but was questionable in this game. And Bogdanovich missed his second straight game with a hamstring injury. He actually was a game fight decision as well. He was questionable all the way up until the end, and then they ended up ruling him out, probably just to be a little bit conservative in this spot. And then in addition to Herter, both Hunter and Reddish missed this game, and uh, that's nothing out of the ordinary for the recent days. As I said sort of earlier for a second, um, Philadelphia, not a single injury to report. Now, that is a world in which Hawks fans are not familiar right now. Obviously, Atlanta's had injuries the entire season long, so Philadelphia playing at home without any injuries, a tough spot for Atlanta. Um, in fact, coming into the night, Philly was 25-5 and in games that had Embiid, Simmons, and Harris all playing and 24-7 and seven at home. So that tells you how um, tough the task was for Atlanta. You know, once Trey was ruled in, our friends at Atlanta AG actually had the Hawks as a 7-point underdog. It was as high as 10 earlier in the day, but still obviously an uphill battle, and the Hawks ended up losing this game by a relatively lopsided margin. So before we dive into the game itself, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is our friends at betonline.ag. Baseball is in full swing right now, and you can track all the action and much, much more at betonline.ag. 
BetOnline is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And this week has a ton of sports content to sift through, including the NFL Draft and the Kentucky Derby, arriving as the first leg of Triple Crown over the weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, of course, with MLB, NHL, UFC, golf, soccer, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. BetOnline also has all of the props and future bets you could possibly want, and they offer live wagering options on a ton of events, which can add a lot of intrigue when you're watching any game. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out the news, contest information, and sign-up bonuses right now. Take this chance to get off the sidelines and take your opportunity to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. If you visit BetOnline.ag right now, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. That is a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On, one more time, that is promo code Locked On, fifty percent more and a welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now to the game itself, and it was actually a pretty positive start for Atlanta. It didn't last all that long, but it was a lot of uh, good mojo out of the gate. It was much different than it was on Wednesday. The Hawks ended up starring Solomon Hill and Tony Snell playing together. Um, Snell's on a minutes limit for sure, but. They basically chose the lesser of two evils there. Basically, your options are going to go really small next to Trey, which they did at times in this game, or you go with the bigger, a little bit more stout lineup, uh, but less creation with Snell and Hill. Can't really win there either way. The starters were actually pretty good in the first half, at least relatively so. Um, but Atlanta did start with an 8-2 run out of the gate. Offensive rebounding was a big part of that. Capella had three offensive rebounds in the first two and a half minutes. They actually, he actually took six shots, which part of that was Tippins, but still... He was very active. Uh, Solomon Hill had two offensive rebounds and a block shot. He had a good start. So the Hawks were playing well out of the gate. They propped a turnover by the Sixers. It was a great help side block by Collins out of that timeout. And then Hill had a nice defensive play in transition to Stonewall uh, Tobias Harris at the rim. Then Capella got his second foul with 8.40 left in the first quarter. That ended up being pretty big. He stayed in the game for a few minutes, but came out quicker than usual and ended up playing a lot less than you would think because of foul trouble, at least in part. In the first half of this game, the Hawks led 13-2, actually, at one point. The Sixers missed eight of their first nine shots. Um, they had two points in the first five minutes. So when you, when you factor that in, looking ahead to the end of this game, Philly's offensive numbers look fantastic, and then you realize that they only had two points in the first five minutes, and it's even crazier from that point forward. So that's kind of where the positivity largely ends for Atlanta. Um, there was some interesting rotation stuff, you know, not not a whole lot of uh, sort of uncertainty, but the Hawks did play some lineups that were a little bit strange with the Goodwin, Dunn, Lou Williams lineup together, all three kind of smallish guards playing together. But overall, the bench was pretty brutal in this game for Atlanta. The Hawks did lead by as many as 13. It was 21 to 8. That's the number that I had circled throughout the game because that was Atlanta's largest lead. From that point forward, it was basically all Sixers. Um, 8-0 run right away from there, including a couple missed free throws by Lou Williams, who never misses free throws. He missed two in a row. That was a, a weird thing to see. It was 15-5 the rest of the way in the first quarter by Philly. And the Hawks led by three, so they were winning at the end of the first quarter. But given where things started and the ball was kind of rolling down the hill, Trey had 10, but other than that, it wasn't a whole lot of positives. Um, Philly did not have a ton of fast break points. That was the one sort of uh, strength defensively in the first quarter was that um, famously on Wednesday, Philly had 20 fast break points in the first quarter, and in this game they had zero. That was much better. But other than that, uh, not a whole lot to be positive about. And then things got crazy. So the second quarter was where things swung. Um, they played that small lineup. It did not work out very well. Williams struggled defensively, as did Gallinari, especially in the, on, on the end of the floor in the first half. But Philly started out second quarter on a 10-2 run to go up by five. Uh, that was a 25-7 overall run dating back to the first quarter, and there was a few more of those to come. 
Capella sat for a long, long time. He sat for about 12 minutes straight, which kind of never happens without, like, serious foul trouble. There was a little bit of foul trouble here, but obviously, I'm not sure what the plan was. It was to kind of just hold his minutes back a little bit, or the fouls, or whatever happened. But he sat for longer than you normally would see him. Then he came back in and played about a minute, and, and then got his third foul. So then it was actually foul trouble at that point, and you're in some trouble. A couple, couple threes from Snell and Collins to keep the Hawks like kind of in touch, but it was kind of spiraling from there. The Hawks scored 21 points in the first eight minutes of this game, and then 13 points in the next about 11 and a half minutes. So the offense kind of ground to a halt. That was the one stretch in this game where the Hawks just could not score. The rest of the night, offensively, was not too bad for Atlanta. But that one stretch kind of put the uh, kibosh on things, and most of that came with the bench. Um, it basically started as soon as Trey left the court in the first quarter. The Philly pushed the lead up to double digits. In fact, it was a 57-25 to 25 Yes, 57-25 to 25 overall run by Philly to go from down 13 to up 19 at the end of the first half. So that's the game right there, quite obviously. Um, you know, you could speak, it's a sort of piece for itself. The Hawks just couldn't score for a while, and they couldn't, they couldn't get stops for most of the game. Um, there was an awesome sort of late block shot by John Collins at the rim, but even on that play, the ball kind of carried him to Philadelphia, and they ended up scoring, so it didn't really stop anything. Defensively, it was pretty abysmal overall. Philly had 40 points on the paint in the first half, which we only even mentioned after the game, but that's a crazy high number. For reference, most teams average like in the mid to high 40s points of the paint for entire games. So Philly had almost an entire game's worth at the half, and that's going to put you in a bad spot. Also, they had 10 off, 10 off the rebounds in the first half. That's going to put you in a bad spot as well. Offensively, again, pretty decent. Trey had 16 in the first half. Collins had 11 in the first half, but they couldn't really afford the bench to be as bad as it was, and it was in this game. Uh, to the third quarter, a little bit uh, better on the whole in the third. In fact, nothing was as bad as the second quarter of this game. But even then, it took a little bit of time to get settled in. Philly started out with a 7-2 run to open the third quarter. They put themselves up, up, by, up by 24 points at that point. That was their largest lead at that point. Um, there was a pretty um, mad Nick McMillan point <laughs> at this point. Uh, he got really incensed when Joel Embiid, sort of on a DHO play, kind of hip-checked Trey Young. And McMillan got a pretty much automatic technical foul. He was very livid, it seemed, on the broadcast. In fact, they called the T live action, so that kind of tells you he said some magic words or at least did, did something crazy to get a technical foul there. And then on the next possession, Solomon Hill got one. So some frustration boiling over there from Atlanta. They got down 27 with 640 to go. There was one little brief run by the Hawks in the third quarter. It was a 7-0 by Trey by Trey Young hitting a three, getting down to 20. Trey was awesome in the third quarter. He had 16 points alone. That was his 10th quarter of the season with 16 points or more, so he's obviously capable of all that. Um, he had 32 points with about three minutes left in the third. The Hawks actually won the third quarter overall. Philly shot 36% from the floor. The Hawks got to the line 11 times. They were pretty active. And uh, if you want to take a small win, they pretty much didn't get killed at all other than the second quarter of this game. Um, in the fourth, it was largely garbage time. Atlanta did cut the lead to 15 at one point on a dunk by Kongwu. Um, they had a good finish, um, also from a Kongwu moments later. But Philly scored six points in a row to go back to 21. They called timeout. And Philly had 105 points with nine minutes to go. That's uh, going to tell you that you're in a bad spot. They got down 24, sort of midway through the, through the fourth. And that sort of cleaned the uh, bench out. Bruno Fernando came in for the last six minutes or so. And uh, there was a dust-up between Chris Dunn and Shake Milton down the stretch. But uh, other than that little uh, bit of entertainment and some... Uh, Official reviews and all of that stuff. It was kind of academic at that point with the Hawks losing the fourth quarter. But again, that was largely garbage time 
in the fourth. Okay, before we get to some takeaways and some individual stuff from this game, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I said a number of times, is cookies and cream. And the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. And if you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, and some takeaways from this game. I said this a little bit on Twitter, but I'll say it again here. This is a defense loss for the Hawks. Now, you would think that without Bogdanovich and Herter, um, those being the biggest losses from the recent team, it would be more offense challenged, and the Hawks weren't great on offense in this game. But defensively, it was pretty hideous for large portions of this game. Again, the first five minutes or so was pretty good, and there were times in the second half where it wasn't quite as bad. But 68 points in the paint allowed... It, and it honestly would have been worse if they had been trying in the fourth quarter for the most part. Um, Philly scored almost 1.3 points per possession for the game, despite the garbage time and a slow start. Uh, 24 second chance points is a ton. 18 offensive rebounds is too many. The Hawks did also help their, sorry, didn't help their defense with 18 turnovers. That led to 24 points for Philly as well. Philly was just average as a shooting team, like mid-50s true shooting for the game. But it didn't matter because they got so many offensive rebounds and so many easy buckets around the rim. And they didn't shoot great from three. Like, they were just okay from there. So, defensively, especially point of attack defense, it was really kind of ugly. There were times in the first half, especially with the bench on the floor, where it was like kind of like a letting go with a rope almost. Like, some easy walks to the rim for Simmons and Harris and just some real breakdowns. I thought particularly Gallinari and Lou Williams were, like, kind of ghastly defensively at times in this game. So, I want to stress this now. Defensively was the problem in this game. Uh, Offense was not great, again, but Philly's a really good defensive team. I will just say this. Philly's not a great offense. They're like league average, maybe a little bit better than that offensively, and to have them torch you, you know, the guys the Hawks are missing are not terrible defenders. Like, Bogey and Herter are fine, but they're not hugely like lockdown guys. Obviously, Hunter's been out for a long time at this point, and they did have Hill and Snell back, although limited for Snell in this game. So personnel-wise, it wasn't any worse than the Hawks have had, for the most part, defensively in this game. It's just that the guys off the bench in particular, Williams, Gallinari, were not good. Solomon Hill had a nice start, but then really tailed off defensively. A lot of bad, a lot of bad point-of-attack defense from the Hawks in this game. Um, offensively, again, they were kind of okay. Um, they, took, they took more free throws than the Sixers did. They shot exactly the same from three as Philly did. As Philly did. They lost the glass, though, in this game. On both ends, and they had too many turnovers, 18. Um, but really, the second quarter was the problem in this game, in addition to the defense overall. It was 42-20 to 20 in the second quarter. The Hawks were 5-18 from the floor. Philly took 10 more shots because they had 7 offensive rebounds in the second quarter. So that was really the difference in the game. But defensively, it was just frustrating to watch. And uh, that was the problem in this spot. Uh, individually, we'll get into now. Not a ton of positivity other than uh, Trey Young, who we'll get to at the end. But the guys who came in at the very, very end, uh, Mays, Fernando, and Knight, 
They played hard. They were actually plus two in the garbage time stint. Not a whole lot to take from that, but so we'll just leave it there for now. Goodwin only played three minutes in the competitive portion, and then played the last six with, with those guys. So kind of uh, incomplete there for Brandon as, as well. But I thought it was notable that with, with Trey back and Lou available and Chris Dunn available, it was one brief stint for Goodwin, and that was it. So I think you'll probably see a little bit less of him now once everybody else is back. That's not a shock, but just want to point that out quickly here. Uh, Chris Dunn did not take a shot in 14 minutes. Kind of a weird stat line. Uh, did have an assist, a steal, and a block. It was minus 17, though. The bench was not good. Uh, Lou Williams was pretty terrible in this game. 0 of 7 from the floor. It's hard for Lou to make a positive impact at 0 of 7 because like, he needs to be able to score and be efficient. Got to the line four times, but even missed two of those. Two points, minus 24 in 22 minutes. And he kind of earned that. It wasn't only him, but man, he was not good in this game. He was probably Atlanta's most uh, damaging player on the whole. And uh, that kind of shows up in the box score if you look at it. Akongwu was pretty decent, although obviously Embiid's a bad matchup for him. And they try to keep him away from Embiid for the most part. Dwight kind of beasted him a few times as well um, as the grown-up that Dwight is, although he's always been Dwight. But he was physical in this game. But Akongwu got, got a couple nice easy back buckets around the rim. Had 12 points actually in 22 minutes. Only minus 13, which is better than the rest of the bench was. Three rebounds, had two blocks, a couple nice ones there. So kind of an up and down night, but it's totally fine one for the most part for a Kongwu. It's just not, he's not Capella, obviously. And then Gallinari got a little bit hot late, but I thought the first half he was uh, as bad as Lou was on both ends. Like Gallinari ended up scoring 16 points to actually be second on the team in scoring because he had four threes. Um, but that was, uh, most of that was inconsequential. And defensively, it was real bad. He was minus 29. That was that was a game worst for the Hawks. I would think I would say Lou was worse than him for sure, and maybe a couple other guys were as bad, but I think it was not a good night for Gallo, despite the positive shooting in the second half. Um, to the starters, Solomon Hill. Three points in 36 minutes. He was the only guy on the team that played more than 28 minutes. Um, that was because he's only the only three, basically him and Snell, were the only guys that played the three in this game, once again. Um, a mixed bag for Solo. I thought defensively he started out well and then really tailed off from there. Had nine rebounds, which was a pretty good stat, but had four turnovers offensively. Kind of weird for him. Not a good night overall for for Hill. And, you know, there was some utility to him playing a lot of minutes. But other than that, not, not his not his finest work, I would say. Uh, Snell looked fine in his return. Obviously hasn't played in a while. Hit two threes. Two of four. He's always good for that, apparently, this year. Three assists, six points, four rebounds. Minus six, I thought he was totally fine. He obviously had a minutes limit on, of, some, of some accord, but uh, he's out there and, uh, you know, I don't want to overstate it, but having Tony Snell back is actually quite helpful for a lot of lineups for the Hawks, as we've seen in the last week or so. Uh, Capella, played, Capella played 17 minutes. <laughs> part of that was the score. Part of that was the foul trouble. Part of that was a long rest. It was back-to-back, so I'm not sure if they were trying to take care of him a little bit. He was actually plus five. That's hilarious. Uh, the Hawks lost this game by... <laughs> By 22 points, and Capella was plus 5. Now, again, he played 17 minutes. 15 rebounds in 17 minutes is crazy for Capella. 6 offensive, and a lot of those were his own misses, but he played fine. I thought he looked like himself for the most part, just uh, couldn't stay on the floor. And then by the time he was ready to come back in, uh, it was kind of over, so they kind of pedaled off, which was the right decision in the fourth quarter. John Collins, 11 points, 4 rebounds. Uh, I believe he did not score in the second half, so not his best work either. Had two blocks, a couple of, uh, I would say, highlight 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 blocks for Collins. But he was not dominant. Um, we'll leave that there for now. And then Trey Young was quite good in his minutes. He was actually minus 7 in 28 minutes, which is pretty good in this spot, considering how bad the Hawks lost. 32 points, 4 assists, 4 turnovers, 10 of 19 from the floor, 2 of 6 from 3, 10 of 10 at the, at the free throw line. So it was 8 of 13 on 2. That's totally fine. Uh, again, I said this earlier, I think he looked, he looked normal, which is good. Trey Young is a star, so if he's normal and healthy, that's a positive. He seemed upbeat after the game, said he felt good with the ankle. So 
Uh, unless something flares up, you would think he's just good to go now. And that's obviously huge for Atlanta because they cannot function without him for very long offensively. So that's probably the biggest positive of the night is that Trey came back and looked like himself. Okay, that's it for the individual stuff in this game. Obviously, a bad loss, not a not a terrible one. You know, the Hawks losing to Philly by a lot is not ideal, but Philly is good. They're even better at home, even better at full strength. They were full strength, and the Hawks were not. So losing by 22 is not the good, not a good look. But you know, losing this game by 15 would have been like a normal situation. So what are you gonna do? Um, now though, things get interesting because. The Hawks, you know, just to their credit, were 11 and 6 in April, and they played 17 games. That's a ton of games in a 30-day month. They were very busy this month. 11 and 6 is really good, but they gave a little bit of that back with a three-game losing streak now to uh, end the week. To end, sorry, to end the week and the month. But uh, one thing broken sort of against them on Friday night. So standings-wise, New York, Miami, and Charlotte were all off today, so no movement there. Boston, though, trailed by 32 points at home against San Antonio. And then came back and won in overtime. So that, that's kind of a brutal one. Obviously, you're knocking on wood this, that this will not happen. But um, at the end of the year, it would not be the strangest thing in the world if the Hawks were lamenting this win by Boston as what put them in the play-in or something like that. Obviously, you wouldn't love that. But it was a bad night in the standings because of the fact that Boston erased that deficit and, and won. By the way, Jason Tatum had 60 points tonight. 60.60. So... With that result and the Hawks' loss and the third straight straight loss, I should say, the Hawks are now one and a half games behind the Knicks for the four seed, and the Knicks have a tiebreaker. So the Hawks do have a favorable schedule down the stretch, but it's looking like the four seed is uh, not likely. It's still possible by any means, but because they have a de facto two and a half game deficit on the Knicks, that's a tall order. It's not impossible by any means, but I would say the Hawks are certainly not favored to be the four seed at this point. Um, now the five seeds is still up for grabs. They're tied for they're, they're tied with Boston after this result. The Hawks do have a tiebreaker over of the Celtics, which is definitely helpful in this spot, but uh, no longer a lead there. It's now tied, and then they they're only a half game ahead of Miami at this point in time as I'm recording this on, on Friday night. Also, the Hawks have a tiebreaker there against the Heat, so that's a favorable thing as well. And for me, you know, <laughs> the big thing is to avoid the play-in. I think more than anything, but you still want to be in the four-five and not have to play one of the big three teams in the East, if you can try to help it. Um, the Hawks are still three ahead of the Hornets, so I think they're probably in good shape there, even though Charlotte has a tiebreaker of not falling all the way to eight. But you don't want to be seven. And right now, this is a bad night for that. So we'll come back, obviously, with more um, in the future. And the Hawks kind of have their own destiny in their hands here. Um, on the bright side, the Hawks play seven of the last eight games at home. That starts tomorrow, or as you're listening to this tonight, on Saturday, against the Bulls. So for a long time... Really since the schedule came out in the second half, a lot of us have been pointing to the second half schedule and the end of it being pretty darn favorable for the Hawks, and we're now here at this point. Coming into tonight, the Hawks had the ninth easiest schedule in the league, and that included the Philly game, and Philly is obviously, you know, Philly on the road is going to make your schedule look more difficult. So from this point forward, the Hawks have probably a top five, six easiest schedule in the league, plus seven of the last eight at home. They have a nice uh, break of three days coming up at the end of next week, so they have some things going in their direction. It's a big game though on Saturday. I won't just try. I won't. I won't overstate it either. But you're playing the Bulls at home. The Bulls are competitive, but not great. Both teams had a back-to-back. Actually, Chicago was actually playing a late game in Milwaukee, so both teams. There's some travel on both sides, but the Hawks should be home before Chicago gets there, and uh, the Hawks have home court advantage in that game. So, barring some injury stuff, the Hawks should be favored. I would think as long as Trey plays and everybody else plays on Saturday night. 
Um, and again, the schedule from this point forward is not too bad for Atlanta. So that's a positive in the standings push from this point forward. But all told, uh, a bad week, you know, three three losses in a row. Not what you want if you are the Hawks at this stage. Um, you know, clearly losing both in Philadelphia was not a surprising result. It would have been nice to get a split, but considering the roster availability, it was not ever going to be likely. So they're 34 and 30. If they can close this thing up with, you know, five and three, six and two, that should be enough to avoid the plan. Um, and if you look at the schedule, I'm not going to go through it all of right now, but I think Atlanta, barring weird injury stuff, will be favored in seven of the last eight games. Maybe you would say they're underdogs in Indiana if Indiana gets a little bit healthier because that's a back-to-back on the road. But only Phoenix is a team that's like genuinely better than the Hawks on paper. And again, seven of the last eight at home. So even if you want to be pessimistic, the Hawks should be favoring six of the last eight. And if you just take care of business, the last four games, Washington, Washington, Orlando, Houston, all at home. The Wizards are playing better right now, for sure. Those are not give me wins, but still, you have the advantage in that spot at home. Anyway. Um, so all is not lost. Trey is back. That's very helpful. And we'll have much, much more on the podcast. So I will check in with everybody after the game on Saturday night into Sunday morning. The game is at eight o'clock, by the way, it's a home game for Atlanta after this entire week on the road. So we'll cover that one in full. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please check out my Twitter feed. If you'd like to at BT roll, check out the, the podcast, Twitter feed at locked on Hawks. Again, subscribe slash follow rate review. Tell your friends. I appreciate everyone listening, especially the diehards checking out these blowout loss podcasts. I know there's always a little bit less uh, fervor for a post-loss podcast, but I appreciate everybody checking in as always. And we'll see you after the game on Saturday.